good morning. And uh, I, I am uh, Neil Jeffrey, and uh, I'm, I'm, I serve on staff at the Plano campus, y'all's uh, mission church down there that y'all support. And, and uh, it's, it's uh, you know, I, I, uh, I've not have been up here in over a, a, I think a year and a half. This is incredible what's going on up here. And I just, I, 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 I love this, this um, campus. Uh, I love Connor Bales. I love your staff. And I love you. I don't even know most of you, but I love you guys. And just thankful for you. And I'm honored to be able to preach. Now, I, I am. I always uh, feel obligated to warn people. And, of course, I was walking around and met a lot of new people that I've n- never met before. That's been wonderful. But always I feel obligated to warn everybody that uh, I am a stutterer. And, and all, all that really means is that I stutter. And uh, I actually, I'm, I'm a good stutterer, although I've, I've, I've started off really well this morning. I'm kind of impressed myself and, and uh, how well I'm, I'm kind, of, kind of flowing with this thing. But I, I've always stuttered, always have. And, you know, it's, it's really, it's, um, uh, 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 in one sense, it's, it's, it's no big deal uh, unless you want to say something. <laughs> and... and and believe me, it's going to be a factor. And all of my life, it's been a factor. I mean, I've stuttered all of my life. I've struggled with this all of my life. Now, I don't stutter as well as I used to stutter as a kid. Uh, I mean, uh, as a kid, I may have stuttered as well as anybody's ever stuttered. I'm not, I'm not sure if they keep those kind of stats or not. But as, uh, as a kid, I couldn't talk. I couldn't say my name. Couldn't say hello. Couldn't, couldn't talk to anybody. Couldn't, couldn't say anything. Couldn't talk on the phone. Back when I was a little kid growing up, our phone would ring, and every now and then I, I tried to answer it, and I did this so many times. Pick up the receiver, get stuck, start the stutter, couldn't say anything, so I just hang up on them. And I, <laughs> it, it affected me through school. I mean, everything about school, everything was a challenge for me. Every day was a challenge for me. I couldn't, couldn't uh, uh, reading was a challenge for me. Uh, speech class was a major adventure for me. Uh, Spanish class, now if you can imagine me stuttering in English, you should have heard me in Spanish. It, it, it was incredible. But, but it, it's always affected my life, always has, in, in every area. And I, I was an athlete, played football, uh, having to be a quarterback. Now, most of you know, normally a guy that play, plays that position, you need to be able to talk. And for me, it was just always a challenge. I mean, in, in, in high school, when I was in high school, all you were allowed in the huddle, a time-wise to call a play was 25 seconds. That's all you got, to, to call the play, to get everybody up in the line of scrimmage, to get the ball snapped. And... And for me, it just wasn't enough time to say what I had to say and stutter. So we were constantly having situations. I'd be in the huddle calling the play. I'd get stuck, start the stutter, 25 seconds runs out, referee throws the flag, and we lose five yards for delay of game. So I'm costing us a lot of yardage. And our, our coach devised a system whereby if, if I was on the field, I never had to say anything. And we did it in the huddle. We had a split in here. We stood right beside me in the huddle. His name was Steve Thomas. Steve called every play for me in the huddle. He'd say the formation. He'd say the play. He'd say the snap count. He'd say, ready, break. So basically, I didn't have to do a thing in the huddle because Steve said everything for me. In fact, my coach had said, Neil, you just be on a knee in the huddle and kind of act like you're doing something. But, but he said, don't open your mouth because it just confuses everybody. So Steve said, everything over the huddle. We'd break the huddle, hustle up on the line of scrimmage. And once we reached the line of scrimmage, I had a fullback. He always lined up right behind me in the eye formation. His name was Stu Cropper. Stu would say all of the huts for me at the line of scrimmage. 
And it was so unique just to watch that initial reaction of the defense when a, a, a student be saying all those huts, of course, I'd just be smiling, kind of. And of course, everyone's saying, where are those huts coming from? Well, I say, I say all of that. One, just so you know that I stutter, and I'm going to stutter. But when I do, and, and, and you never know, it's always exciting. Uh, but when I do something, just wait, because something, uh, at least historically, this is to, uh, uh, if I stutter, just waiting because something is coming. But it's also a major part of my message this morning. Because my message is from John 16. Verse 33. And if you have a Bible and want to turn there, John 61 verse. But what's rooted in this one verse, this, the end of chapter 16 is the end. We've been studying John, well, actually for a year or so, we've been in the, uh, tell me the story of Jesus and, and all the great stories to Jesus about his life and everything. And in and, and the last a few weeks, in the last couple of months, we've been in the seven signs of Jesus in the Gospel of John. Of, of, of supernatural things he did, like the wedding of Cain, miracle, water in the wine, the raising a, a dead a person, which he does twice, healing the blind, uh, the sick, all he did, uh, uh, seven amazing signs he did that all point to Jesus, supernatural power. But starting in chapter 13 of John through the end of 16, it's what's classically known as the uh, upper room disc, discourse. It's where Jesus with the disciples in the upper room just before his high priestly prayer in chapter 17. Then in chapter 18, he gets arrested, he's tried, he's crucified, he died. Of course, you know he, he rises again and all that. But at the end of chapter 16 is the end of that discourse. The end of chapter 16 is late Thursday night, maybe even early Friday morning of the Passion Week, and just within hours after he makes this statement, He'll be arrested, he'll be tried, he's going to be crucified, he's going to die. And of course, for the disciples, that's the worst thing that could possibly happen. But of course, we know now, looking back, that's the greatest thing that's ever happened. The resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But the cross had to come first, which is the trouble part of life. And, of course, everybody has a, a trouble. So Jesus makes this incredible statement here. And, you know, I love being a gym because this is kind of like, not exactly, and, and, and really isn't like it a whole lot, but it is a little bit, like a pep talk. What Jesus is saying, his last, ultimately, his last real statement to his men, just before all this, the whole world caves in and everything changes, and these guys are going to be scared. They're going to run for their lives. They're going to, uh, Peter... It's going to deny he even knows Jesus. All this stuff's going to happen. The world's going to turn upside down. And Jesus makes this incredible statement. Now, here's the statement. Let me read this statement, John 16, 33. With all that, do you understand the context of, of, of what all this is saying? Here's what Jesus says. He actually, there's four great statements in this, which is going to be the message this morning. He said, I have said these things to you which refers to everything he said from John 13 on, which is amazing stuff. 
yes, he speaks about, uh, uh, well, first he washes the disciples' feet in John 13. He's going to tell them about the Holy Spirit. You got, uh, I'm going away, but you're going to have the Holy Spirit. He, uh, he talks about the Father, about God, who had all that stuff. He said, to these things I've said, that's huge. Because uh, all this is rooted, obviously, in the Word of Jesus Christ, which is, as a Christian, this whole thing is rooted in the Word of God. It's what God has said to us. So he says, I've said these things to you, uh, and here's the first thing, that in me you may have peace. Now, remember that in me, because that in me is in Christ. You know, we just sang that song, remember that phrase, in Christ alone, we have all that we need in Christ. Well, that's where he says, in me you will have peace. The second thing he says, in the world, you will have tribulation. You're going to have trouble. Can I get an amen to that? One, you will have peace. Two, in the world, you're going to have trouble. Three, third statement says, but take heart. Old King James says, but be of good cheer. Fourth statement is, because I have overcome the world. Incredible statement. Now, this, this, uh, my message, what I want to do today is encourage you, encourage you, Christian, just to remind you of things I know you know, but every now and then we just need to be reminded of who we are in Christ, who we are, well, for who Christ, who the Christ is in us, and who we are as a result of being in Christ. I mean, it changes everything because we just need a reminder of that. Because you know what? There's a whole lot of trouble. I mean, in, in one sense, in these last few years, the world has literally turned upside down. And some people say, we're in the latter days, the last days. All this stuff is happening. And we need to be reminded, as Jesus reminded the disciples, I pray he'll remind you today, this morning, of who he is and the, uh, uh, the best that he has in this verse. Now, it's a little bit like, and, and, and why I told you the whole story about all my stuttering is when I was a kid, um, I mean, I struggled with stuttering. It just uh, always felt inferior, always felt stupid, always felt ugly, because a stutterer always feels stupid, because you never say anything right. And, and if you say something, uh, uh, you say it so awfully, and you look at the other guy, and, and the guy thinks, he looks at you, he thinks, oh, man, what's wrong? You feel stupid. And, and a stutterer always feels ugly. I mean, you make all these faces. I mean, your eyes blink, your head. I mean, I've seen myself. It's ugly. I know that. But see, I've struggled all of my life. And, 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 and starting as a, as a little kid in grade school, I come home from school just, just mad, frustrated, upset, just crying, just, just something happened today, something I couldn't do, something did. I mean, something, something. And this happened. I wish I kept track of how many times this happened in my life. I would <laughs> I would crawl up in my mom's lap. My mom would hold me. And she always said something like this, always. He said, I don't know why all this is happening, but I know this. God loves you. You know what else I know? God is bigger than this. Bigger than your stuttering. Bigger than this trouble you're going through. He's bigger. Now, again, I don't understand, but I know that. And you know what else I know, son? Somehow God is going to use this in your life in a good way. Now, again, I heard all that. I was blessed by that. I'm not sure I believed any of that. But, you know, that's the pep talk. That's what I needed to hear. That's what kept me going. That's what Jesus is saying here. And, and, and just look at this. 
But we're going to look at it to backwards, from the end of the verse to the first of the verse. Because here's the first thing he says. First point is this. Uh, this idea. There is an overcomer. Man. Oh, oh. Aren't you glad there is one? <laughs> Aren't you glad there's a Savior? Aren't you glad we just weren't left here to our, our own devices, the own stuff around us, all this thing? We weren't just left without peace, without hope, without forgiveness, without a way to deal with life and, and, and have an idea about the future, that, that, that God just didn't say, hey, I made them, but that I'm going to let them to the vices. It's all over. They're done. They're dead. They got a short life. They'll eat, drink, and be merry, and then it's over. That we weren't left to that. Praise God, there's a Savior. He said, you know, I'm leaving heaven and I'm going to earth. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to seek and to save that which is lost. And what, what I want to do is make a difference in their life. And he came, and he didn't just come. I mean, he lived as nobody's ever lived before. He taught the way nobody's ever taught before. And he, he overcame everything, anything and everything thrown at Jesus. Uh, you've seen this on the, on, on, on the series, The Chosen. Everything they threw at him, he handled, he took care of. He defeated. He overcame. Why? Because he's God. Now, uh, aren't you glad? That, and, 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 he came, and he did all that because he loves us. He loves you. He loves me. And now, I, he said, I have overcome the world. Now, the disciples who he's speaking to, they knew this because they had seen it. They had seen, all these seven things we're studying, they were there. All these seven signs. They saw that. They, know, they had seen him do it. And they knew he could take care of anything. Death for him was no problem. He raised two people from the dead that they saw in these seven signs. Hey, disease, he took care of disease. A storm on the Cassidy, he spoke a word and the storm stopped. They had seen it. They knew he could overcome. He had conquered everything. That's the first thing. Praise God, there is an overcomer. You know, some people get so, I'm sorry, I got... Allergies and stuttering, all that stuff. I get really dry. I'm not really that thirsty. I'm just, I got, I got to stay. But, you know, it, some people have, have all these reasons. Well, you know, if, if God was this, why would this, this happen, this happen? Why would this, I mean, all, all, all these questions. And just miss the whole miracle that, hey, there is such a thing as Jesus Christ who came. There is an overcome. The second point is this. He says this. There, uh, he said, I have overcome the world. But he says, first, hey, in this world, in this world, you will have tribulation. The disciples also knew about that because they had, for three years, they've been following Jesus. And there are great times, good times, awesome times, struggling times, bad times, uh, uh, ugly times, all kinds of, they had seen it all. Was, and, and, and the actual word here is uh, translated tribulation, but it's fascinating. This is not the word which, which just means persecution. Now, they're going to face persecution. We're going to face persecution. It's out there as well. This is, a, and this is fascinating. This word actually uh, includes anything that can cause a person stress or trouble. It's essentially any kind of trouble. It is any, it's, it's any stress, any despair, any situation, any struggling you're going through, any, any disappointment, any pain, any hurt, any question, any grief, any loss, anything. All of that is wrapped up. Hey, you will have trouble. Now, the disciples knew that. You know what? Every one of us in the room, we know the world is filled with trouble. You got trouble in your life? I got trouble in my life. It's everywhere. And you know what? You could even wrap, wrap into this trouble thing, my whole stuttering thing. 
You will have this. That is a fact. And, of course, we don't understand this. Now, I wish we had time to read this, 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 this whole passage, starting in verse 16. But look at verse 16 real quick of, of chapter 16. It, it, the little phrase, in a little while, you will see me no longer. And again, you will see me again. Well, that's what's, essentially what's going to happen between the crucifixion and, and the resurrection. Or maybe because... A little while, meaning after he's ascended and then he's coming back. But there's, there's a time there the disciples didn't know. They didn't understand. Hey, that's a part of the problem as well. Things happen in my life. I don't understand why. And I don't see an answer to this. It's a struggle. It's just a, 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 a trouble. The uh, point is, in this world, we will have trouble. Even though there's an overcomer. But second idea, there is trouble everywhere. Now, now you know that's true, right? Shake your head. Of course. Here's the third thing. But Jesus says to them, but take heart. But take heart. Uh, be of good cheer. In the midst of all the things that are going to happen, and, and the whole world is about to turn upside down, he makes this incredible statement and says, Take heart. Be of good cheer. Be encouraged. Take courage. Now, that sounds like a little pep talk, which in one sense sounds, uh, uh, just by seeing the words, it, it's like a coach telling these disciples, hey, you guys buck up. Yeah, it's going to be tough. When going gets tough, the tough gets going. I mean, it, it almost sounds shallow uh, in one sense, to hear, hey, take cheer. Yes, it's going to be ugly. Some of you guys are going to die. It's going to be, hey, hey be a good chance. Except when you consider who's the one saying, take heart. The one who's saying, take heart, be encouraged, is the overcomer. The one who's faced everything and yet overcome everything, it's Jesus, it's the Messiah, it's the Son of God. It's, it's, it's the King of kings and Lord of lords who's saying, with the perspective of all eternity, he's the one who's saying to them. This is measly nobody, just a guy on an infomercial or something. This is the Christ saying, hey, men, you can take heart. You can be. You know what's fascinating? Uh, that phrase, take heart, it's used four times in the New Testament. I love this kind of stuff. It's only spoken, it's never spoken by anybody else except Jesus Christ. And he says it four times. He does it in Matthew chapter 9, 1 through 8, when he heals a paralytic. Who, 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 but before he heals him, he says, take heart. Your sins are forgiven. He says, hey, take notice. You've been encouraged. I'm going to forgive this guy's sins. And he does. And then in Matthew 9, 18 through 22, the woman uh, he has the issue when, and, and she thinks all I can do is touch his, him of his garment, and I can be healed. And he touches him, and, and she touches him. Jesus feels it. He knows it. And he turns to her, and he says, take heart, daughter. Your faith has made you whole. He says, hey, take notice. I'm going to show my power, and, and you who, who had a disease, you're going to be whole and healed. Third time is when the disciples are in the boat, and Jesus comes walking on the water. You remember that? And, and they're afraid. They think, hey, we've seen a ghost. And they are frightened. And Jesus shows up and says, take heart, it is I. 
He's basically saying, the great I am is here. It is I. Do not be afraid. And the fourth time is right here. He makes that incredible statement. When Jesus Christ does this, it's a whole nother statement. It's a whole nother thing to be encouraged. Because when Jesus speaks, demons obey. When Jesus speaks, the storm nature obeys. Disease flees us. When Jesus speaks, it's a command and it is obeyed. And what he's telling these disciples is you're going to have a bunch of issues, but you know what? You can trust me. Take heart. And, and the fourth deal is, and this amazing statement, he said, I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. So this is the main part of the message right here. Peace. That's a promise. You can have me. I've overcome everything Jesus says. There's going to be a bunch of stuff in this deal, but take heart. You will have peace in the midst of all of this stuff. Now, peace is in, and it says this right here. Peace, it isn't just peace available for anybody, everybody. No, he says, I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. This peace is in a relationship with the overcomer. The key to this whole thing is being in Christ. And the point is, he has overcome, and because he has overcome all who believe in him, and this is, is glorious. Because he has overcome all who believe in him, we have that same victory. We are overcomers. He has the victory, we have the victory. He, uh, um, he um, um, uh, is he overcomers, so are we. He has conquered everything. We are conquerors. In fact, I can say, you may not believe that. Romans 8.37 says, knowing all these things, we, Christians who believe in him, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We are conquerors as well. And as a result of that, because of who he is and what he's done, we can have peace in him. We can have the peace of God. And of course, we know Jesus is the Prince of Peace. That's our peace. That's us. And it's peace with God. It's what Romans 5.1 says, therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have the peace of what the Bible says, the supernatural peace. Philippians 4.7, it says, and the peace of God, listen to this, which surpasses all understanding. You can't describe it. It's supernatural. It's unbelievable. Which surpasses all understanding. It's going to guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. For these disciples who are going to go through all this, uh, these challenges, all this stuff, and all these trouble, and they're going to have the little while, they're going to have sorrow, it actually says that in verse, verse uh, uh, 20. You're going to have sorrow. You're going to weep. You're going to lament. It's going to be hard. But in the midst of this, you will have peace. In this world, you have trouble. But in Christ, you have peace. This peace is rooted and grounded in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It is the overcomer's person in us that allows us to have overcoming peace. And that peace the world cannot take away. Satan cannot destroy. It is ours. It's a supernatural thing that God does in the midst of whatever is going on around us. So I, thought, I started thinking, well, let's define this peace a little bit. What does this peace actually mean? I mean, you can say, well, I got peace. What does that peace mean? What's wrapped up in that peace? Well, of course, what's wrapped up in that peace is everything that's wrapped up in Jesus. George Morrison has a good definition. I never have seen this before, but this is a good, uh, 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 of peace. I thought this was pretty good. He says, peace is, 
the possession of adequate resources, of just having what you need to face anything and everything you need to face in life. Well, that peace, that's what we have in Christ. Because in Christ, what do we have? All the resources that we need. Anything and everything. And he is the great overcomer who's conquered everything. Yes, we're going to have trouble, but Jesus Christ has conquered anything and everything. And it results that there is peace. So, uh, you know, I was thinking about this. This, um, what are we, what, uh, what is the ultimate need? And uh, 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 this is way beyond me in, in my, in my intellectual, but, but just, just a simple-minded guy like me thinking about this. What does everybody need? Well, maybe everybody needs to be loved totally and completely, unconditionally forever with a love that will never let you go. Everybody needs to be loved. Two, everybody needs to have something to believe in or someone to believe in, to have faith, to believe in, 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 in someone greater than you Bigger than me, bigger than all this stuff that's happening around me, someone I can commit my life to, trust, obey, and follow. Everybody needs something, someone to believe in, to be loved, believed in, and everyone needs to have hope that there's a reason to go on, that there's a future out there that has something good for me. Everybody needs to know now that we have a future and a hope. Well, the point is. In Christ, we have all that. The first thing is a love. Hey, and, and, and Jesus says this in this text. We have, what's wrapped up in this resource, we have a Father who loves us. Now, of course, you know that, and, and, and I know that. We, I mean, I, we've sung Jesus loves me, this I know uh, 10,000 million times. I mean, Jesus loves the, I mean, uh, God so loved the world, and we know that. But the way Jesus says it in this text, it, 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 it's incredible. I've read this, but it's never really dawned on me how awesome this statement is he makes. At the Father love, look what he says in verse 27 of chapter 6. You've got to see this. Uh, are you looking at it? It says this. Jesus is speaking, and he says, For the Father himself loves you. Do you see that? For the Father himself loves you. Now, obviously, I've known all my life because my mom and dad told me when I was a little kid, my Sunday school teacher, I went to vacation Bible school, they told me too, hey, God loves you. But you know, this reading this like this, it's, it's incredible. What's happening here is Jesus, the Son of God, is standing with the disciples on the eve of his crucifixion, death, burial, and then his resurrection. And Jesus looks at them, the Messiah, the king of kings and lord, he looks at them and, and he says, the father himself loves you. Of course, that, that speaks to them. Hey, that speaks to you as well. He loves you. All of my life, I've, I, I've struggled, and I've shared this before here, just with my uh, just, uh, uh, feelings of being... I don't want to be loved, to be valued because of my stuttering. I always felt inferior. I always felt like I'm not good enough to be loved and so forth and so on. And when I realized, finally, as a sophomore in high school, that Jesus Christ loved me, it changed my life. I all of a sudden realized I'm not a mistake. Hey, I'm as good. 
I don't have to be as good as anybody else because I'm good as I am with Christ in me. I am complete. I'm perfect. He is satisfied. He's accepted me. He's forgiven me. I am loved. That changes everything. It changes everything. How a person sees himself when you realize there's a God in heaven who loves us. You know what's amazing about He makes that statement in verse 27, for God, uh, for the Father himself loves you guys, loves you. Then look at verse 28. Uh, He makes this amazing statement. Jesus said, I came from the Father, now have come into the world. Now I'm leaving the world and I'm going to the Father. Four things. That most scholars believe that's the whole gospel. That's the whole redemptive story. That's everything Jesus Christ did here because, because I came from the Father. First statement. That's the incarnation. He leaves heaven, comes earth, born of a virgin, and I'm coming to the world. That's the mission in the world. That's all the stuff he did here as he taught, as he healed, as, 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 as he loved, as he did all those things he did. And then now I'm leaving the world. Why is he leaving the world? Because he's been crucified. He's, he's died. He's buried. He has risen again. And then fourth is, I'm going to the Father. That's the ascension. All of that says God loves us. That's why he did all those things. God loves you. That's why John 3, 16 is so incredible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He loves us. With an everlasting love, an unconditional love, a love that never let us go. And then secondly, hey, we have a father who loves us. Two, we have a father, a God we can trust Bigger than anything and everything that we can believe in. He is who he is and all that he has done. He is bigger than anything and everything. And the disciples realize this, and they make this statement in verse 30 of chapter 16. After all these things, again, I'm sorry we don't have time to hit all this stuff. But, but in verse 30, he said, now we know that you know all things, Jesus. He knows all things. He's all powerful. He's everywhere. He can do anything. God is in all of this. God is bigger than anything and everything. He's the overcomer. Here's what's amazing about that statement and amazing about that because Jesus himself, who is the overcomer, he knows what's going to happen in a couple of hours because the overcomer is going to be overcome. This is fascinating. Overcome. He's going to be arrested. He's going to be tried and all that stuff. They're going to kill him. And Satan's going to think, we've, we've beaten him. We have won this thing. The religious leaders are think, we have beaten, we've won this thing. Rome is thinking, we've beaten, we've won this thing. But that whole story, the trouble of all of that was God's plan. Jesus knew it. And he knew, hey, you're going to have trouble. But on the other side of this thing, there is redemption. There is resurrection through all of this stuff. There's tragedy, yes, but there's going to be triumph. There's victory. There's defeat, but there's going to be victory. There's all of this. That is our great God. And he gives an illustration here, and, and I've only got four minutes left. And uh, I, got, I got a hope, but he gives an illustration here about the power of our God. Look what he says in verse 19, uh, verse 20. When he says a little while again in verse 19, I meaning you're not going to understand this. But in verse 20, he said, truth I say to you, you're going to weep, and you're going to lament, and the world is going to rejoice. They're going to be excited that you're weeping and in pain. But, he says, and you will be sorrowful, he says, but your sorrow is going to turn to joy. And it did, didn't it? I mean, all the sorrow that they had in the, uh, 
a crucifixion, all that, turned to joy when they realized he is risen. He's alive. All the stuff he said is it, true. This is our God. He has conquered anything and everything. And, the, and the, uh, he actually gives the illustration about a woman giving birth. Now, I don't understand this. Uh, I've been there three times when all three of my kids were born. So I know, know a little bit about the pain of childbirth. Uh, not as much as my wife knows about it. But I was there. I saw it. He says this. When a woman is given birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. The hour of trouble has come. But when she delivers the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a baby has been born. You know what's amazing about that? And this is so incredible. The baby is the cause of the pain. The baby's also the cause of the joy. The cross is the cause of the pain, but the cross is also the reason we have joy that our sins have been forgiven. And there's a whole new life, and that cross is empty because Jesus has been risen from the dead. You know what it may be saying this, Neil Jeffrey, you're stuttering thing. Which your whole life has been nothing but sorrow in your life. Son, this is the thing I have used to make you the man I created you to be. That's the joy. Now, I didn't see it. I didn't understand all that, but that's the fact. You know, I've been so worried all my life, as most of us are. God, I want you to work in all of my circumstances so there's going to be no trouble. God is not at work worried about producing circumstances that I want in my life. God is at work in the midst of the struggles and the troubles and the stuff to make me into he, who he wants me to be in order to accomplish everything he wants to accomplish in my life. That's the glory of the whole thing. That's why Romans 8, 28 says, and you know what? Uh, Jesus knew that. You know what? My mom knew that way back then when she used to hold me in her arms and say that. She knew that. I didn't understand it. There was a little while before I fully understood it, but the fact is, Romans 8, 28, the incredible statement. We know that for those who love God, for those who love God, all things work together for good to those who are called according to his purpose. The good, the bad, the ugly, the trouble, whatever it is. There's going to be sorrow. Yes, there's going to be pain. But our God has defeated everything. He's the great overcomer. That is the bottom line. And James 1, 2, 2, 4, listen to this. I got to stop. 1, 2, 4 says this. Count all joy, he says. You remember this verse. Count all joy when you meet various, uh, trials of various kinds, when you have a knockdown. When you have a struggle, he says, rejoice. Why? Because you know the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect. Here's the full effect. The trouble has its full effect, which is that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. A person's not born perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. You know how you get there? To trust in our God who takes us through anything and everything life throws at us, and the end result, we become, listen to these words, perfect. Complete, lacking in nothing. Perfect may be meaning I become everything he created me to be. Complete mean he does in me everything he wants to do. Lacking in nothing, I've got all the resources available to me in Christ. And because I have all the, avail the, the resources available to me, I have everything that I need. And I am at peace. As I said, my mom... I mean, there's so much more in this passage about prayer. We got prayer as a resource. We got our Father in heaven. We got, but my mom, 
was she would hold me in her arms, and she would say, hey, God loves you, son. God's bigger than all of this. And son, God's going to use this in your life somehow, some way. I didn't see it. She couldn't even see it. But she knew our God was greater. And there is, through the sorrow, there is victory. You know what? Mom was right. It is so. I'm experiencing it. What I hated for so long, the fact that I stuttered now, you know what, in some kind of weird way, I'm embracing it. It's almost cool in my mind. And I've never been cool. But that is our God turning sorrow into joy. You know what the greatest example of that is? When we face death. That's a sorrow. I've lost all my parents, my in-laws. I mean, that's one of the saddest things ever. But all four of them, there's joy. Joy comes in the morning because they are alive. They're with Jesus. Because death has been swallowed up in victory, and we're going to see them again. All of this is because we are in Christ. Would you bow your heads for just a moment? We're going to have a time of invitation, as we always do. And we just want to invite you. You can know this overcomer, Jesus. You can have a relationship with him. And you know what? It'll change your life. You say, how do you know that? Well, it changed my life. Actually, any man I've ever met who said yes to Jesus, they would say, my life is, I'm not the same man because of Jesus. Now, there's a man here today, and you know you need a life change. You need to be a new man. That's what Jesus does. That's why he came. And any person who's in Christ, any man who trusts Jesus Christ as his Savior, will be a new creation, the Bible says. Old things are passed away, all things have become new. In a moment, we're going to stand, and we're going to sing a little chorus. And I want to invite you, men, women, boy, whoever you are, if you know you need Jesus, if just the trouble of this world is dominating you, and you need the overcomer in your life, he's available today. You just accept it by faith. Just believe. And you don't have to have much faith. You just say, Lord, I believe. If you need to say, Lord, help my unbelief. But God, I want to believe in you. When we start to sing, I want you to come forward. I want you to step in the aisle. Come right down here in the front. Our, our minister's going to be up here. We'll receive you and talk to you about your faith. And you can walk out of here knowing that you know that you will have his peace because you have Jesus. I know there's some in the room who maybe you've been praying about where to plug in, where to belong. If the Lord is leading you here, why don't you, when we start to sing, why don't you just come forward and take one of these ministers and say, you know what, we want to plug our life here in, in this place, this church right here. And you come and join this our fellowship. There may be a Christian here who's a member here who just know, hey, you need to start over again because the trouble of this world has dominated your life. And you're depressed, you're discouraged, and you just need to be reminded of the overcomer who lives in you, who's working in the midst of all the circumstances. And God is doing a greater work inside you than anything that's happening outside you. Once you come, just recommit to your life to God. Just come, we'll pray with you. I ask God to speak and you respond. God bless these moments. I ask that your will would be done in every life here. God, if there's a person, even one, who just needs to accept Jesus, may they come today. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.